0: This next story concerns widespread voter suppression occurring in the 2020 presidential race. The actions being taken by several states have profound implications for our system of democracy. There are visible attempts at voter suppression in Texas, California, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Florida. As I mentioned last week, Texas Governor Greg Abbott has limited the number of ballot drop-off boxes to one per county, significantly affecting large areas like Harris County that house a great many number of voters of color. Last Friday, a U.S. district judge ruled against Governor Abbott and included an injunction that barred the state from having only one ballot drop-off box per county. The victory was short-lived, however, as the state immediately appealed the decision, pausing the judge's ruling. Until the higher court makes its ruling, the one ballot box per county decree will stay in place. The Texas League of United Latin American Citizens, the National League of United Latin American Citizens, the League of Women Voters of Texas, and two Texas residents are suing over the decision to limit limit voters' abilities to cast their ballots. Currently in Southern California, Unofficial ballot drop-off boxes were installed by California Republicans. Posts on social media are encouraging voters to use the unofficial locations. State officials have made clear these ballot boxes are against the law. A regional field director for the California Republican Party, Jordan Tigg, posted a selfie posing with his ballot in front of an unofficial ballot box writing, quote, doing my part in voting early. DM me for convenient locations to drop your ba- ballot off at, end quote. The tweet has since been deleted. The Cal- California Elections Division Chief, Jana M. Lean, sent out a memo to all county clerks and registrars of voters addressing the pressing issue. It states a non-official drop-off point is a felony and subject to two to four years imprisonment for creating one or providing one. The California GLP tweeted, quote, if a congregation business or other group provides the options to its parishioners associates or colleagues to drop off their ballot in a safe location with people that they trust, rather than handing it to a stranger who knocks on their door, what is wrong with that? End quote. Many of the drop-off boxes are misleading as well, with signage that says official ballot drop-off. The California GOP are comparing it to the allowable of ballot harvesting, where voters can give their ballot to another person to deliver the ballot to an official location, which is legal. With the unofficial boxes, there's no person designated to return the ballots and the ballots are not designed in the same way official ones are in order to avoid possible tampering. Now, in Wisconsin, a district judge fought for deadline extensions on mail-in ballots and voter registration and also to provide additional online options for voters. The state legislator stayed the ruling, declaring, quote, A federal court should not change the rules so close to an election. Political rather than judicial officials are entitled to decide when a pandemic justifies changes to rules that are otherwise valid, end quote. In the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals dissent, Circuit Judge Rovner wrote quote, By granting that stay, the court adopts a hands off approach to election governance that elevates legislative prerogative over a citizen's fundamental right to vote. End quote. This is extremely troubling for the voters of the state because of the vast issues with the April election of local and judicial offices, as well as the presidential primary. Thousands of Wisconsin residents stood in line, spanning multiple blocks for hours during a pandemic. The governor, Tony Evers, attempted to postpone the election because of the recently implemented stay-at-home order, but the state legislator wouldn't allow it. Tens of thousands of registered voters did not receive the absentee ballots they requested. Then in Milwaukee, 180 polling places were consolidated to a measly five in an area with a large number of black voters. At a time when Wisconsin is a hotspot for COVID-19, voters will now have to choose between their vote or possibly their life. The current system isn't set up to cope with the unprecedented number of mail-in ballots and this year is important for the state legislature. All of Wisconsin's eight House of Representative seats are on the ballot as well as a Senate seat. Voter suppression is a reality for the state and their elected officials cannot do what needs to be done to ensure voters that every vote will be counted, let alone received. It's an authoritarian or GOP's dream. In North Carolina, many voters who have made errors on correctly filling out their mail-in ballot may not have their ballots counted. Initially, mistakes were allowed to be fixed, but a federal judge ruled that you cannot change the rules so close to the day of the election. Sensing a pattern. Thousands of ballots are in limbo in a closely contested state that holds 15 electoral votes, and the number of ballots with errors are said to be understated. This doesn't bode well for the state in such a close presidential race, when North Carolina is where Barack Obama won by only 14,177 votes in 2008. Mail-in ballots are a new experience to many, and North Carolina requires a witness to sign a voter's ballot as well. Election officials are not allowed to help voters fix their ballots, and ones with mistakes are to be kept in a secure location, uncounted, until the legislation decides what to do with them. It again disrupts disproportionately affects African Americans with their votes forming 40% of those trapped in limbo. In neighboring South Carolina, the rules for mail-in ballots have changed multiple times over the last month, striking down a witness signature requirement only to have it reinstated then struck down again. A final decision has not been made on the witness signature and has caused confusion for a number of voters. The state also has many rural and elderly voters who may not be aware of the changes and therefore whose ballots may not be counted. Tens of thousands of ballots have already been sent out, and though the state has required a witness signature since 1953, most voters have never sent in a mail-in ballot and are likely unfamiliar with the process. Initially, the witness requirement was waived due to health concerns, but was quickly reinstated with a cry of, Voter Fraud! Many are choosing to brave the chance of COVID by voting in person and early, but many voters may not have the capability to do so. In Florida, according to Newsweek, quote, Democrats have accused Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and other Republican state officials of blatant voter suppression after the state's voter registration website crashed on the last day to register to vote, end quote. The registration portal had delays and many said they couldn't access the website. The Secretary of State for Florida, Laurel Lee, tweeted that there were delays for a period of 15 minutes due to high traffic to the site. However, many people attempting to register said the problem lasted much longer than that, and that it was much bigger than a delay, with the website unaccessible entirely. Many of those attempting to access the site tweeted photos of their internet displaying a server error over the course of five plus hours. The site has crashed previously in 2018, and many are saying this should have been planned for to ensure the problem was not repeated. Governor DeSantis extended the deadline by a day, but some feel that wasn't enough due to confusion over the site, as it may have prevented thousands from registering. Florida Secretary of State Laurel Lee said there were an unprecedented 1.1 million requests an hour Monday night. The other issue with Florida voting is disenfranchisement. In 2018, 64% of voters approved a measure that allowed those with felony convictions the right to vote, a right that had been denied to those with felony records in Florida since 1845. It did not matter if the person had served their sentence, they were given a lifetime voting ban. This law is rooted in slavery and systemic racism, as after the Civil War, Florida did not want to let those of color vote, and simple petty crimes were used to arrest African Americans. Two months after voters agreed that this practice was wrong and outdated, Governor DeSantis, quote, inserted a requirement that returning citizens would face a poll tax requiring them to pay all fines and fees from their sentence before they can vote, end quote. This is apparently an impossible task for most, as there is no centralized database that is capable of tracking fines and fees paid or unpaid. Even if there were, jails and prisons frequently charge the people they hold a dollar amount a day for food and shelter, and it can often add up to exorbitant amounts that those with a felony record, who already tend to have immense trouble finding a job, could find virtually impossible to pay. The Republican ploy to continue to disenfranchise 1.5 million people who were given the right to vote back by their peers is more than gross negligence. It is voter suppression by extreme degrees. Also consider the 2000 presidential election of Bush v. Gore, where the winner was decided by only 500 votes in Florida. Though a district court judge blocked the poll tax addition to the law four months later, a U.S. Court of Appeals 11th Circuit reinstated the addition. The continued disenfranchisement of millions of voters is unconscionable and the racist practices keeping Jim Crow alive in 2020 need to be ripped out at the root. Monday in Georgia, the suppression was live and in living color. The town of only 21,000 in Solani, Georgia was practically overrun with prospective voters when a polling station opened Monday for early voting in the presidential election. Voters stood for over four hours and an almost half a mile long line in order to perform their constitutionally given right to vote. Most also wore masks and practiced social distancing. Despite the hardships placed on them, they were still looking out for themselves and others' health. The voting machines were apparently having issues, and Suwannee wasn't the only place reporting delays in those voting issues. At the largest voting site in Georgia State, located in Atlanta, there were issues with poll books and lines despite the 300 voting machines. Though other days will be available for early voting, there was likely high turnout Monday due to the federal holiday, and it may have been some voters' only chance to vote without taking off of work. In Cobb County, people waited six-plus hours in order to vote. It was an hours-long wait in Macon County and DeKalb County as well. These are incredibly troubling revelations that could have a gargantuan effect on the outcome of the presidential election, as well as statewide and local elections. The tone set is dysfunction. Many voters became nervous over mail-in ballots because of political leaders decrying them and are choosing to vote in person. But the process has been made unnecessarily difficult. Georgia is surfacing as another battleground state and everyone needs to have equitable access to voting. Despite the delays, some voters see the problems with optimism, saying that it likely means an election with extremely high turnout percentage. Those voting in person should make sure they are aware of when early voting begins and make a plan for a long line. If there isn't a long line, great, but expect one and be ready for it. Bring an extra jacket, an umbrella, snacks, maybe a book, Bring whatever you need to occupy you for a few hours and make sure your phone is fully charged or that you have an external battery. Voting has never been more important and with so much on the line, isn't it worth the wait to cast your vote? It may be unfair, but it is unquestionably necessary.